This is Stanley bringing you the sound doctrine of the Bible. Under God, I conducted sound doctrine seminars in 1997, 2007, and 2012. We should always interpret the Bible contextually. That is the next point I want to spend some time on. And when we talk about biblical interpretation, there is another aspect we have to look into. The context of that book, entire book. So when we go through the study Bibles and read about the author and other things, as we keep on studying that book, you must retain in your mind the background and the purpose and the thematic approach of the author. If we don't retain that in our mind, we will miss the message and go off tangent in our interpretation. Now I also want to handle another example, gifts of the spirit, and see the background, how it helps. I'm just going to give you some lists of gifts and also from there I'm going to explain to you how the background of the author is important and the occasion in which it was written is helpful. Now just open up a new page on your notebook and make three columns. And under the first column on the top you write Romans 12, 6 to 8 where we have the first list of the gifts of the Spirit or gifts of God. And the second one in the second column, you write on the top, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. And also verse 28. And the top of the third column, please write Ephesians 4, 11. Now turn to the references and we will list down these gifts. 1 Romans 12, 6 to 8. Please write one by one as you see it in your Bibles. Prophesying ministering or serving, teaching, exhorting or encouraging. These are all gifts, you know. Verse 6 says, having then gifts according to the grace. They are called gifts of grace. Gifts of grace means charismatic gifts. Charisma means grace. And then another gift is there. It is giving. It's liberal giving. Then we read about leadership, that is another charismatic gift. Then showing mercy with cheerfulness, that is another charismatic gift. And Mother Teresa has their gift. Okay, now come to 1 Corinthians 12th chapter, that is the second uh, gift list. We read from verse 7. You can write just wisdom, then knowledge, and then faith then healing, and then miracles, and prophecy, and discernment, tongues, then interpretation. In the same chapter, verse 28, apostleship, prophethood, then teaching. 
then you don't need to write uh, miracles and healings because miracles and healings have already been mentioned earlier. So you have helps and then administrations. So that is in 1 Corinthians 12. Come to the third list. Ephesians 4 and 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. How many do you have in Romans? Seven. And how many do you have in First uh, Corinthians 12? Thirteen. Okay, and then Ephesians 4? Five. Now comes the question. Just look at those uh, gifts with your just uh, visual eye. There is a very interesting observation that comes out when you just look at it. It's all the gifts of God, the gifts of grace, the charismatic gifts, or gifts of the Spirit, whatever name you give. It is because of the needs and the conditions of the people who are addressed in that particular episode. Now take for example, Romans. We read about the gifts in Romans in the 12th chapter. But if you look at chapters 9, 10 and 11, you know what Paul was writing about? He was writing about the place of Jew in God's plan. Now you must read these three chapters when you are finding time. Then you will understand. You find exclusively the treatment was concerning the place of Jews in the plan of God. And in what way a Gentile believer is related to the Jewish believer? In other words, his treatment was the relationship between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And when he is writing that, what he has got in mind is a peaceful coexistence between these two hostile segments. Now, we in Tamil Nadu, we know this, uh, the seriousness of casteism. Casteism is very prevalent in the political circles and in the national level. And casteism is a very common thing in the Christian church. Now, in Bellur, where I am staying, there is a church called Nadar Church. So the moment the Nadar gets transferred to Velur, they would be the first people to go and meet him. It is an all-Nadar church, but they have a different name for that church. So casteism is very difficult to pull out from even Christian believers. So between a Jew and a Gentile, you know, you must understand it is between, not even Ayer, it is between Ayengar and scheduled, not even scheduled caste, scheduled tribe. So how to keep them together in one church? That was his subject. So when he is writing that subject, when he was giving a gift, he is telling the gift of serving, encouraging, giving, being merciful. You see, all these gifts are necessary for coexistence. They are all gifts that are necessary in a relationship context. So he talks about those gifts. Now when he comes to the Corinthian church, 
what was their problem it was spiritual pride and self centered giftedness in other words the problem in the corinthian church was competition over gifts so what he was trying to teach them was to tell them that whether it is gift a or b or c or x or y or z it is the same spirit now turn to the list and see what he emphasizes last corinthians 12 chapter 8th verse you see that you, you must get the spirit you know now you are on the second day of the study program you should be able to get the spirit of the writer to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit see his you understand his tone First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 was not to teach about the gifts of the Spirit, definitions of the Spirit, function. That is not the main aim. To us, to tell the Corinthians, man, look here. It may be wisdom. It may be knowledge. It may be healing. It may be miracles. It may be tongues. It may be interpretation. It may be this, that, or whatever. Please know, it is the same Spirit. and they were fighting over spectacular gifts so he put wisdom and knowledge at the top of the list they are more internal gifts but they can have such a profound effect the life and the witness of the church so he said you corinthians you are zealous of spiritual gifts that is good what are you doing now everything you want to do for feeling good feeling nice feeling your blessing i felt good that kind of me bless me mentality he targeted that and he said you are zealous for spiritual gifts excel them that you may edify the church their emphasis was to keep them in a proper balance right hand needs left hand i cannot say i don't need the ears ears cannot say i don't need the hand don't be occupied with all spectacular gifts if the whole thing is seeing where is hearing so that is why he talked about those gifts when he wrote to the corinthians now we will move to the third you know come very carefully we are going step by step that is efficiency even though the letter to ephesians was written to a particular church it is a letter to the the church rather than a church because you'll find in ephesian epistle no local problem is dealt with but in corinthian church you find all 1 2 3 after this after that one by one he was dealing with problem but in the ephesian epistle generally the word church does not refer to the local church it refers to the universal church it gives a heavenly view point of the church 
And there, when he writes, he writes about five outstanding gifts. For what? Look at the fourth chapter, the eleventh words lists out the gifts. What is the purpose of those gifts? To equip the saints and prepare them for the ministry. So why are these gifts given? If you are an apostle, what should be your aim? Make every believer in your church an evangelist. If you are a prophet, make everyone in your church an evangelist by your words of inspiration and encouragement. And if you are an evangelist, make everyone in your church to participate in your evangelistic gifts. And if you are a pastor, make sure every believer goes out in Sunday evenings. If you are a pastor of the Ephesians 4th chapter, the word that should be in your mouth constantly should be go, 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 not come, come, come. And if you are a teacher, your responsibility is to make everyone under your teaching ministry a goer. Jesus prepared 12 and now Paul is telling them, we are at the beginning of the church age. Another 20 centuries the church will have to march on. We are still in the Mediterranean packet. We have a big world. This 12 member team is not sufficient to go into every nation in the world. So if you are a new apostle, evangelist, whatever you are calling, if you have a group under your care, edify them, equip them, and release them. Yeah, the gospel must reach the last man and the last woman in the world. That's what he wrote in the first century for the gospel to reach the ends of the earth and whoever has been faithfully doing, it is going. Whoever has reversed that order, they are still not missionary minded. Today, Ephesians 4.11 is quoted against missionary work instead of for missionary work. Making every believer a minister is the ministry of every minister. Once more, the ministry of every minister is to make every believer a minister. You know why that list was there for Romans? And you know why this list is there for the Corinthian church? Now some imagination. If Paul were to write a letter to the Indian church, what gift list he would give? That is an assignment for you. I am not ready to help you for that. <laughs> but in this sequence and in this logic, you can develop because you also have the mind of the Lord. So when you study these things with the background of the author and the background of the people, you come to the conclusion, no gift is exhaustive, it is only suggestive. So counting 9 or 19 or 90 is useless. 
the holy spirit cannot be just pigeon holed into our uh, arithmetic table we have been spending quite an amount of time on studying the bible in its context now not only the background of the author and the background of the people important when we study a book when you read one passage within a book that should be comparable and that should be understood in the context of the central message of that book without that no difficult passage in that particular book should be interpreted i am going to take first john as an example and read to you verses 6 to 10 of the third chapter whoever abides in him does not sin whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him verse 9 whoever has been born of god does not sin verse 10 in this the children of god and the children of the devil are manifest very very difficult passage because it says anyone who is born of god does not sin if he sins he is a child of the devil this is how we find it out if you are careless we will have to come to the conclusion every one of us sitting here are the children of the devil and that would mean that a believer never sins but that is not the way to interpret the bible elsewhere in the same book what the author has said should also be compared first john first chapter reading from the eighth verse if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves the truth is not in us but if we confess our sin He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. It is over. But again, he says it in verse ten. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now you should try to bring both these texts into proper tension. Only then the truth will emerge. was john trying to write in this book his theme was fellowship with god that's what he states in verse 3 right at the outset of his epistle these things we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ in other words his theme was fellowship with god and with men fellowship with god and his people what is necessary for fellowship openness transparency only when there is openness and transparency fellowship and relationship will be meaningful he was talking about getting closer to god and to each other and there is one thing that blocks this closer to god and to each other 
that is sin and we understand from the first chapter and the third chapter he was differentiating between occasional sin and habitual sin so he says a person who is born of god shall not continue to habitually sin that is the sense of the original in first john third chapter but in the first chapter it is the occasional slip or falling into sin from which by confession and cleansing a believer is again restored to fellowship with god and one another we'll continue our study in the next segment god bless you